Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, ready for some brevity, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Cameron, welcome to the driest week in Magic News history. Um, <laughs> it is a drought, it, yeah. <laughs> unless you're really into Commander, nothing is happening. Nothing's really on the horizon to happen. Mm-hmm. I guess theoretically, and again, not trying to, well, I usually am, trying to stamp on Alchemy's grave here, but I, I, it kind of feels like this is when they pictured that it would be because uh, New Capenna's uh, Alchemy set just came out mm-hmm. and like crickets, crickets, Good. crickets, crickets. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if enduring not new sets for a little bit, Results in them killing alchemy. Cameron, I'm willing to go that far. I, I, and even yeah. a little bit further, if you want me to be honest. <laughs> what is it going to take? So, um, anyway, so there's no summer set. So that's what I'm saying is like these next few weeks, man, there's not a lot to talk about. However, I see that you've been playing some standard. Um, give it to me, buddy. How, how's that been going? Yeah, diving back into standard. Uh, mainly because I had to do almost zero work to dust off this Hanada deck, and it's pretty much the same thing that was pretty decent, oh, yeah. you know, six months ago. So mm-hmm. checking out that De- Jeskai Hanada deck, which um, it's really good. I, I, there's not a lot to say. What I hate is that, like, this Hanada deck, there's the blue-red control deck, and then there's the blue-red dragons deck. They're all essentially the same deck, and the play patterns are very, very... I mean, Hanada creates a little bit of a different play pattern, but, you know... Turns one through four are pretty similar as far as like what you're doing. So like I, I found that the matchups have been rather dull just because I just I feel like I'm already going through the paces and whatnot. So today, trying to just spread my wings a little bit and like what are some decks that I actually am interested in that are new for me and have new creatures, planeswalkers and all that, that I've, I haven't actually played yet. Um, so I suited up a Jund mid-range deck and my deck is not perfect mainly cause I don't want to spend my, my goal on my, um, um, wild cards wild yet cards. on, on, like the triomes or anything like that. So I'm just, I have like, you know, a one of, of like the Zatora's Proving Ground. I'm not going to buy those unless I know for sure that I'm going to be playing Jun style decks for a while, right? So uh, it's not tuned is what I'm saying. But I'm really, really enjoying um, Jund, man. Um, this is like Classico Jund. And uh, so the one that I'm playing is playing Blood Tide. Blood Tithe Harvester and Tenacious Underdog. Um, the new Obnixilis, which I've played against several times. I found it's that nasty. deck card to be super annoying. And playing it, I love it. It is super annoying against the opponent. Um, and then Asika's Chariot, because why not? Um, yeah, so like Obnixilis, I, I, three mana Planeswalkers are great, but then when you're able to do the causality or whatever it's called, uh, like, man, that can just get out of hand super quick. So, like, I've been really liking that Planeswalker um, and just kind of, like, the design of that and, like, how that's been kind of mixing up um, 
for the better, I would say, standard. Um, so yeah, like, Do you mean, isn't it called casualty? Casualty. I'm sorry. What did, did I say? Ca- <laughs> Causality. <laughs> yeah, man. Casualty. <laughs> I mean, you know, people love how we pronounce cards Words and don't card. name cards. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like we're on brand. Yeah. I was like, what is he talking? What causality? I'm like. <laughs> um. So the one thing I just looking at like the current metagame, I I'm trying to figure out like why vampires is so good, um, because like I mean, and maybe it's just because I am running the Meat Hook Massacres. I just feel like I can just take games away from the vampires matchups, where I feel like yeah, I'm struggling a lot against all the dragons and blue-red control-type matchups. It's just really interesting. And while I said that I might be kind of done with, like, the blue-red dragon thing, them kind of rising to the top has created this really interesting standard metagame that feels, like, newly fresh over the last two weeks compared to what I was seeing a month ago. So, I don't know, man. It's interesting. I'm surprised at, like how little I'm seeing of like Naya enchantments, seeing a ton of vampires and a ton of, of um, Goldspan dragon. Yeah. I, I would say like, so first of all, standard has been greatly improved by the file fall of Naya enchantments. Mm. Cause that deck when it goes is really not very pleasant to play against. Um, and it should be qualified, especially if you've been playing magic for a while and you just haven't touched a standard. This Grixis Vampires deck doesn't really play anything like Vampire decks of the past. Um, it is much more like a tempo-y kind of thing. Um, but I would also say, like, we're back to this standard where the individual cards are the powerhouses, not necessarily the engines of the deck. So give mm-hmm. me an example. Instead of a us saying, okay... There's a Wilderness Reclamation deck and a Fires of Invention deck. And like referring to the deck by the engine, we're referring to it by the color combination. But then there's certain cards. For example, if you're playing red, you're almost certainly playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker because it's easily one of the best cards in standard. If you're playing blue-red, you're almost certainly playing Expressive Iteration because that's one of the best. But none of those, I would say, even though Fable of the Mirror Breaker might be the best card in standard, it is not what the deck is revolving around. Mm-hmm. It's just this really high-value card that happens to be in the deck right um and so you kind of end up with these check pile ish you know stacks of cards that are just a bunch of good value in those three colors right mm-hmm. um i would say the Jeskai combo storm show of confidence deck is kind of an outlier there um hmm. but like even though if you look at Esper Midrange and Grixis Vampires, yeah, they both play Tenacious Underdog, but there's a lot of cards that are not in either deck. Yeah. and But functionally, the play pattern feels very similar. I'm trying to outgrind, outvalue what it is that you're doing, right? Um, I've really liked playing these games of standard. I think... So first of all, I, it's interesting to hear you talk about wild cards because I almost always get the lands first. That's what I should probably be doing. Yeah. I, I don't know that there's a right or wrong way to do it. Because, like, I was just talking about Fable of the Mirror Breaker. If you crafted those over something like, you know, uh, one of these triomes, I think you're probably in, in good shape, right? Like, I don't yeah. think there's a correct way to do it. But I'm always, like, trying to get the lands knocked out first because I don't want to stress it down the line. Yeah. Um, 
but that being said, I'm still I'm, I feel like I'm always <laughs> I'm always crafting lands like all the time. Yeah, always um, behind on the, everything. It seems like it's like uh, just one more, and then I have to try to figure out how to. And imagine negotiate. if you were a hardcore historic or alchemy player. Yeah, like that would just double that work. <laughs> um. No, like the thing that I like about Just Guy Hanada to get back to that deck hmm. is I feel like it is the best post board deck in standard. And that I found myself either behind or losing a lot of game ones. And then in, once I hit to game two or game three, you can really change what that deck is pretty substantially mm -hmm. uh, to like get it to fit the scenario, which is a lot of fun. Uh, also, you know, that deck probably has the best come from behind ability because if you chain multiple opuses together it's real like you could be way behind and still like chain them and then it's just like well okay i've 24 my opponent and there's <laughs> nothing they can do because i keep tapping down their team um that being said if we're just being honest with each other cameron this esper mid-range deck is scratching way too many itches for me okay it is as you know my favorite color combo i named my dog esper so i don't know what that should tell you yeah it says enough but <laughs> But but secondly, it gives me some kind of mid-range vibes and dude, mid-range is my is is my um where I came from. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You don't you don't forget that you came from Maverick, right? Like <laughs> that is my style of deck and there's just something about that with this that just is really cool about land sequencing, creature sequencing and all that. It's not a lot of draw go esper. Mm -hmm. Um I have to ask, have you played any Explorer? Yes, and I'm still playing Blue-White Control. I'm still not playing Yorian. Like, I just refuse to play Yorian. I, I, I don't want to have 75 cards, all this stuff. And so I feel like I have judging a you. Judging really you. focused Blue-White Control list, and I've been having really, really good success. Like, this is the deck that, I mean, I have... It essentially in paper and pioneer and for like the next major tournament like i this is the deck i'm playing like there's just no questions asked um i i mean the combo between narset teferi and and wandering emperor and one shark typhoon i mean like i just feel like i'm unstoppable like i mean honestly like it's just such a good list even against some of the like mirror matches when i'm playing against the yorian based control decks i feel like they're doing all this like juggling trying to you know do the the yorian bounce combo thing and i just feel like my deck is a little bit more focused that i it feels better against the mirror matches i should say like i feel like i just have a little bit more direct path as far as like how to win or more quickly to win um so yeah man i've been just really really having a great time very successful um it is peanut butter and jelly and like i just absolutely love this deck um i still need to work on the sideboard i don't feel like that's ever been completely optimized but um yeah these best of three man i've just it's been i've, I've been doing really well so i've actually played against and I think I need I need to build this just to check it out. I've been playing against Grixis a lot. Okay. Um, and, you know, some variation of, of this has always existed in Historic or Pioneer or whatever. And, and like, 
Grixis could be like a temple thing or whatever. This is like a very big, like what I would call big Grixis, where you have some number of Nicole Bolas, the five mana planeswalker, some man, some number of the four mana Nicole Bolas creature, on and on and on. You're also playing Valky, uh, Croxa, all this stuff, right? Um, but it is a through and through a Thoughtseize expressive iteration deck, right? Like mm-hmm. those are the cards that are really driving what the deck does. Um, I actually think an explorer. Fatal push is not as good as it probably is on Pioneer because you just don't see as many like super duper low to the ground decks. At least I haven't. So things like doing Dreadhorde Arcanist into Fatal Push has not been like a priority. Um, and a lot of these decks are much more centered around messing r- with your hand. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing not just Thoughtseize, but also sometimes Duress main deck. Um, and so that's the next deck I want to build. I have been on the Unlike you, I've acknowledged that Yorian is completely yeah. ridiculous, and I'm going to keep playing it. But I've been playing the Esper Yorian, and I think I talked about this last week. Vanishing Verse in this format, also unbelievable. Yeah. Really solves a lot, a lot, a lot of problems. Um, occasionally, you can get in this stuff where you know it doesn't get Cruxa or some other random gold card. I lost a game to uh, like a werewolf aggro deck because all the cards were gold. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, but... Explore continues to be the format that I've really enjoyed. Um, what I'm curious about, though, is because some people are saying, as I saw this online, Explore is actually better than Pioneer. That because you don't have the Delve cards, because you don't have something like Thing and Ice hmm. or some of these other cards, that it actually is more balanced. I don't know that I've played enough Pioneer to experience that. But if we could just go ahead and give me Supreme Vor- Verdict, I'm fine with whatever you want to do. Um, yeah. I'm not picky. Uh, but, dude, it's I've had more positive experience with Arena in the past two weeks than I probably have the past six months. There's two viable formats that I'm content to play. I don't really care about the prize structure. I don't really care. Like, I don't really care that there's way too many wild cards I need for New Capenna because I, I can feel like I can grind to them. Mm-hmm. It's just been a much more positive experience. So I know we've like really been on their case with alchemy slash historic. Um, but now that Explorer is here, I feel super positive about it. However, if I'm being honest with you, I do want it to become full-on pioneer. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that where you're basically at too? Oh, yeah. I'm just I'm 100% there. Um, and things like pioneer, like I think, yeah, I have been enjoying just like my time online with Explorer a little bit more than I have with like just the pioneer metagame. It's been a couple of weeks now since I've played pioneer, but like there's still Winota, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's ex- these certain key cards where it's like, just get rid of it. Like, I, I mean, I, I know you had like your big announcement and all oh, things are going to change and fall. I'm just like that card done with it. I have been done with it and just get rid of it. So things like that. And then also uh, the mono red deck in pioneer, um, while not like, you know, oppressive and not like awful, like just, can we get rid of Eidolon of Great Rebel? Like, I mean, seriously, <laughs> like that card, um, it's miserable. It, yeah. And it's just, it's like a, it's not fun and it does, you don't have to do anything. It's just like, here we go. I'm putting a clock down, you know? And so I don't know, like there's just certain things where I'm just kind of like, those little bounce tweaks, things that don't exist in Explorer, 
I would like to see those things get addressed sooner rather than later in Pioneer. Yeah, and I mean, both historic and modern are just kind of like off my radar right now. I'm pretty stressed about, so like theoretically, store championships are a month and a half. And Cameron, I want that foil dark confront. I do. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, man. To quote Kurt Russell in Tombstone, you tell him I'm coming, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know when's the last time you checked out Tombstone, Cameron. It's been a while. But it's been a long while. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I'm really excited to play this, but I really my store hasn't posted what their format is going to be for it yet. I'm really hoping for standard. And if you're wondering, is Curtis that guy that will go and buy a $400 deck just to win a $50 card? A hundred percent. A hundred percent I am that guy. So um, I'm getting after it, dude. That's my plan. Um, but yeah, like Pioneer, I've, I've, I've been sitting on Phoenix for a while, but I think I'm going to start picking up pieces here and there. Um, you know, Yorian and all that, I just, I think I think it's time. I And there's no way I can look at myself in the mirror and buy Naya, or Winota, Naya Winota, or Mono Red. So Yorian just feels like, or I'm sorry, Control, whatever that looks like. Right, yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, Cameron, I know we're going to get, like, again, there's not much magic to talk about this week unless you're a commander player, so that's clearly not us. Uh, however, there's uh, some other things that we've been watching we want to talk about, so we're going to leave this segment, come back, and chat about that stuff. All right, Cameron, so here it says Stranger Things. Um, I'm like four episodes in, so I think okay. I've got a few more to go. It's just a bunch of hours, if you want me to be honest. I couldn't yeah. even tell you where one ends and the other begins. Um, but, I mean, it's Stranger Things. I Have you caught up all the way? Have you watched all of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, you know, watched... It's such a weird show, because I, I really do respect it. Like, I love how they, they give nods to... Well, here's Red Dawn. Here's Stephen King. You ready for Carrie? Here we go. Like, I mean, you know, like they just, they really know what they're doing as far as like um, kind of hitting that nostalgia itch, but not being kind of obvious in it in a way that I think a lot of other current stuff, Top Gun, you know, if you want to, yeah, it can be. Um, so I, I've enjoyed it. This is, I think, more like my criticism of Netflix as a whole. And I think because we have seen the success of something like Star Wars Mandalorian um, and various other shows, the the dumps, I don't know if that's actually good for the zeitgeist of your show, right? Because once yeah. it's just dumped, I feel like it's just one and done. And, and like, well, I watched this entire thing Memorial Day weekend. I talked about it like once with one coworker. And that is it. And so, like, I, I've enjoyed the season a lot. Um, but because, like like you said, you watch everything hour after hour and it all blends together, I forget. Like, I'll remember very specific, unimportant details. And then, like, these major plot points or major villains, I'm like, huh, I don't remember that. And I really think that that's just because of, like, that Netflix strategy of just dumping everything. And at the time, you know, when they initially started doing that, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, like whatever. Um, but I am really grown fond of the Star Wars model, the Game of Thrones model, where it's like, 
you might have an awful ending or whatever, but at least everybody is along with it for that entire six week stretch stretch or 10 week stretch. So, um, stranger things good. I'm not going to spoil anything. I feel like they didn't know what to do with certain characters. Uh, but overall I've been enjoying like the Scooby-Doo vibes that they have with some of those teen kids and doing all those investigations and, I don't know. It, it, it's fine. I just wish uh, it was. Uh, we could be talking about this weekly. Yeah, it's it's a great show to watch with a teenage daughter. Uh, mm. I'll, I'll put it to you that way. Like we can sit and enjoy it, and kind of uh, she enjoys the you know kind of teenage dramedy of it, mm-hmm. uh, and the light horror touches. Um, whereas then my wife and I can get nostalgic about. Oh, remember <laughs> shopping malls? Those were fun. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Stranger Things, I've had this, it's good. Uh, and it's like, I you whenever you come out with the expression, it's overrated, it makes it sound like you think it's just trash. Mm, mm-hmm. But it's like, I think it's like an 8 out of 10 mm-hmm. and uh, a good solid TV show. Um, but it ain't The Wire either. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, it's like, yeah, yeah. It can exist in this middle ground. And I think it, it excels at being what it is. Uh, and, you know, you just talked about characters they don't seem to know what to do with. That seems to be a problem with almost every season that they've had of this show is they've kind of gone wider than they maybe needed to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can really cost them. I would also argue that the weekly thing would have m- greatly benefited The Witcher. Because oh, sure. I still have yeah. not finished season two because it's always like, oh, well, we've got to get our weekly dose of Outlander, our weekly dose of o- Obi-Wan or whatever. And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we have some leftover time, I guess we'll just chip away at Witcher again, you right. know? And so it's like when you are in a competitive model, when Netflix was the only one doing this, it was fine. And I would say with some shows, it's fine. Like their reality stuff, like F1 Drive to Survive. Sure. That yeah. works really well as a 10 episode dump because, A, it's all about the previous season that you've already watched and already knew what had occurred. Uh, and it's more like a sports documentary at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, with with Stranger Things, man, if this was just a week by week thing, man, I'd be listening to recap podcasts or right? whatever yeah, about yeah. it. Um, and I also think it's it makes me stick with a show more and wait for the payoffs longer. Like, not to spoil anything about Obi Wan, but I really feel like this week's episode of Obi Wan was full of payoffs and really did a lot narratively to push because we were talking about how slow the pace was. Yeah. And then we went into overdrive this week, you know? Yeah, they they um, went to plaid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay, well, now I guess my, I can take my pace concerns and shelve those. Um, but I, I've, you know, it's it been interesting how stark the contrast is between the two shows, even though I would argue quality-wise, they're very similar. Oh, they uh, maintain I, quality for sure. Yeah. 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 It's just, I'm more excited to watch Obi-Wan every week. So, you know, hey, take that for what it's worth. But uh, I also, can we just talk about the villain in Stranger Things? Like, are they, is this an homage to Swamp Thing or do they just like? I don't know if they've ever, I mean, they had to have known that they're doing Swamp Thing, right? Because that creature is, is Swamp Thing. (laughs) It doesn't kind of look like Swamp Thing. It is Swamp Thing. I agree. (laughs) <laughs> in, in terms of the visual design, in terms of what the character sure, is, completely yeah, different. Yeah. But it was like, uh, okay, guys, uh, what's that doing here? Um, 
so Cameron, I've I've kind of started. So I'm playing a bunch of different games right now, but I've settled in on uh, going back and knocking out some of my list of shame that I haven't ever finished. Mm. Um, what do you know about Dragon's Dogma? I have played it and very much enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I've never finished Dragon's Dogma. Okay. Um, and so I've had it sitting on my Xbox account. It was like five bucks one time two years ago, and I just you know, bought it. It's out on Switch as well. But the reason I kind of got the itch for it was uh, their Twitter account went live like last week and posted something about it being the 10-year anniversary of Dr- Dragon's Dogma. So that either means they're remastering, which I think is probably the likely thing, mm-hmm. or there's going to be a sequel. And it's like, on one hand, I should, a smarter person would just wait on the remaster because there's probably quality of life things and whatever. But there's just something about wanting to finish. I guess it's not the true original because I'm playing the Xbox re-release and mm-hmm. I originally played it on PS3. But I probably put 60 hours into this game. I fell yeah. in love with this game long before Souls games. And it is a weird game. It is a very weird game. But it's like Capcom taking Dark Souls and Skyrim and Monster Hunter and putting it in a blender. Yeah. And the thing that's cool about it, it's an open world RPG and you can you have your character and then three NPCs that are called pawns that you kind of set their behaviors for. And the cool thing about it is the journeys in this game, like the trip between one town to another are actually incredibly dangerous and scary it's not nothing to journey in this game like when you leave somewhere and go to another thing it really feels like a quest Mm -hmm. right with a party um and my memory of the game again because this has been like 10 years is that it was incredibly hard i wonder how that's gonna sit with me post souls game sekiro i was gonna say yeah you know everything is easy after (laughs) sekiro yeah but anyway i've already put in like two hours and it's like a lot of fun, man. It yeah. You always have to, whenever you play old games, you always have to get over this initial hump of like, um, okay, like their facial animation or something. Yeah. The shading isn't right. There's always like these little things that bug you, but eventually that like melts away. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you can really find the joy in the game, right? Um, so, yeah. And of course, Cyberpunk is also the game that's just sitting on that list. And <laughs> I don't know what it says about Cyberpunk that I was instantaneously like, oh, guess I'm playing Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just have a couple, like, does it, because I remember, I, I remember playing this. I never finished it like you. Um, I got real Monster Hunter vibes from it. Um, but I remember it playing like garbage as well. Um, was it the PlayStation? It had to have been the PlayStation 3, I guess, right? Um, so anyway, does it run? Does it feel like it runs pretty well for you on the Xbox? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's the Xbox One re-release, but I'm playing it on Series X. Okay, yeah. Runs like a dream now, nice. so like 60 frames, whatever. The controls are, because this was before everything got standardized in the Souls-like style, right? And so there's a lot of like, oh yeah, to draw my bow, it's this button, and like kind of navigating my way through that, right? Um but dude, it's a ton of fun. It's a ton mm-hmm. of fun. So, um, yeah. So dig into your backlog every once in a while. That's my message here, Cameron. I like that. It's a L.A. Noir. That's one I need to like. 
dive back into because I remember really liking it and like only playing six hours. And I know that kind of is a revered Rockstar game. So maybe I'll give that it's one on a go. It's on Switch. It's on Switch, I believe. Okay. So, you know, if you ever travel again. So, all right, Cameron, if someone would like to uh, get a hold of you and go over all the uh, great games from the PS3 360 era, era, where could they find you? It's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We will check you guys next week.